how can we utilize the skill that we have, which at the time was soccer, to come and, and create an opportunity for ourselves. And this, that's the beautiful thing. Like, we live in a country where we can create. What is happening, everybody? I'm Larry Roberts. Welcome to another awesome episode of the Readily Random Podcast. Today, I have two good friends of mine, and it is the Biz Bros. What's happening, guys? What's up? What's up? <laughs> Thank you, Larry. Appreciate it. I, I was going to say that voice at the beginning, uh, Fonzie, you have to up your game. And you gotta, I know. You gotta, you know, I sound need to. Like I need that. to. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you're going to see me in my room practicing my, my Larry voice. What's up, guys? Well, I, was talking up? About, I was talking about the lady. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I did, you know, on your show, we were talking about constantly evolving and invest, investing in yourself as podcasters. And one of the things that I did to do that was I took voice acting lessons. I've taken several voice acting classes and may have even thrown a voice at a video game or two. Nothing popular, just some little, some little something, something. But yeah, so it's, it's one of those things that I worked on. You know, I mean, uh, it's, it's a, it's a skill. It is. I and it's something love, yeah. that we, we need to, you know, invest in and round ourselves out with. So, yeah, um, that's uh, interesting. That is very interesting. We actually thought about doing some <laughs> improv classes a very long time ago before we were ever on camera because yeah. we were like, we need to be ready when we hop on camera. And then we're like, you know what? Let's fail forward. If we mess up, it's all good. <laughs> That's hilarious. That is hilarious because I can remember, and I meant to, meant to bring this up earlier. I remember the very first podcast I ever did with my co-host and I didn't really know what I was doing, but I was telling him how we needed to do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And we, we, we had, we had one uh, Yeti snowball, Mike, yeah, that we that we were passing back and forth, and I didn't want I didn't want breath noises, so I was like, "All right, Jamie, you got to turn your head when you breathe, and then come back to it and talk, and then gently hand it to me, and don't exhale into the mic. Make sure that we uh, all these rules and regulations for creating a podcast <laughs> that aren't necessary, but then it still turned out so bad that we we just we tossed it. We're like, we can't release this, man. This is horrible. So oh man, it's, it's, uh, can you please send it to us after this? Just send us the link. That's fine. We won't we won't tell anybody. Uh, I honestly we'll don't the know. faces when we we'll publish the it. <laughs> I have most of the episodes from that show, but I don't know if I have that one. I don't know if I deleted it completely. It's like and fun. I went through. Yeah, it's like it's got to go. And when when we stopped doing that show, I went through and had to uh, delete it off the internet. I didn't want anybody to find that show because the content's a little rougher than what I use today. You know, yeah. so uh, they'd be like, "Who's this cat over here talking like this?" So I didn't funny. want to do that, but I love it, dude. I love that story. <laughs> you know, this is this is this is a podcast about you guys. So tell me more about you. Uh, you've got a great backstory. You have a tremendous success story. Your energy and, and your creativity knows no bounds, and we need to get to know each and every part of you. We are Luis and Luis. Uh, the one talking right now is the coolest brother of the both of the both. Wow. Of both of us. Uh, but we have a competition, Pika Bro, so Pika that's why I'm, I'm saying this advertisement in here. Uh, but no, we're both from Venezuela. We grew up there. My brother had, the, I guess, the luck to leave the country when he was around 15 years old to go play soccer in Italy. Yeah. Then he played in Spain. And when he was about 20, 21 years old, he came to the U.S. That was in 2010 yeah. for a soccer scholarship. And I followed him in 2011 when I was 18 years old with a soccer scholarship. We went to totally different places, right? And, I mean, for us, soccer was a dream. We wanted to play soccer professionally. That was all we thought about. That Literally, that was all we had in our minds. We never thought about 
I'm going to go get a job or <laughs> job was to play soccer. Uh, I'm, we never, you know, encounter anybody that was really an entrepreneur growing up. So we didn't really know that concept. I think my, my brother knew that about that concept a little bit more than I did. Yeah. But the thing is, when we came here to the States, we played college and guess what? The, the dream didn't come true. Like, like many people's dreams, right? And that is something that is difficult to handle because that is your identity right there. And it is shattered, right? Our identity of soccer players shattered. And we were like, okay, what do we do now, right? We knew at least that we didn't want to go to, <laughs> to an office and sit down and do some work in there. And we were like, okay, well, we're going to have to figure something out of our, for, for ourselves. And around that moment, we had a roommate and one day he came into the, the, the house and he was like, guys, <laughs> I have a great idea. And we're like, what is it? He's Tell like, us. we can start a business selling stickers. It has great margins. And we're like, yes. Yeah. We had no idea. About that's that. amazing. <laughs> what are margins? You know, like that, that's all like, that's a little we knew about it. And of course that was it. That was like the start of entrepreneurship or actual entrepreneurship journey, right? Like now yeah. we look back into our life and we see this kind of like events that happened throughout our life that were like, okay, like there, there was those something were, in there, yeah. yeah, those were some moments that we knew we had something inside yeah. around this area. And so we decided to start this mm -hmm. sticker company and it was challenging, right? Because we had none of the skills mm -hmm. that you need to either build a business Or make or make stickers, right? Keep in mind, it was three of us. None went to design school. They didn't. We didn't know how to design. We didn't know how to use software to design. We didn't like. Uh, I went to business school, but I wasn't really paying attention because I was playing soccer. So, you know, the business side of things, I had no idea. So, you know, YouTube and Google was the solution at the time. Yeah, YouTube and, University. And somehow we managed to, you know, start the company. And somehow we actually started selling some of these stickers. And then we realized that we actually need to sell. A ton of them. <laughs> Way more. Yeah. Them. <laughs> to, to actually like at least, you know, make back the investment on the vinyl cutter that our roommate bought without our permission or like just, just on his own and then bringing us <laughs> into his business, right? It was a whole challenge, right? Yeah. Especially learning all these skills. It's like, okay, now we need to learn how to design. Okay, how do I do that? What software do I need to do that? And, you know, that that's just a, a rabbit hole right there that it takes you on on learning a bunch of things. But the cool thing is that it gives you awareness on, wow, look at this whole new world that's out there. So many opportunities, right? Right. And what happened is after not too long, <laughs> after we actually started the sticker company. It was like three weeks. Yeah, something like that. We went so, to Orlando. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. So you, you guys had this company for three weeks and went, no, this isn't going to No, 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 hold on. So, no, wait, yeah, yeah, yeah. Something worse. Continue, Fonzie. <laughs> something worse. So <laughs> we decided to go to this event in Orlando. It's called Surf Expo, right? And it's uh, like a manufacturer company where other companies events, go in yeah. there. Uh, events, sorry. And other companies go in there to do some wholesaling some shopping. shopping, right? And buy and put other brands into their stores. So we go there and we didn't have a website, nothing. And to <laughs> get into the event... They were we asking for like a website. So we're like in the line of the, of the event. It's like, dude, can we, can we make a website right now? And our roommate was very technical and he like pulls out his phone and he's like, okay. And he makes a, a super quick shareable yeah. website like in the line. Like we had literally like six people to get in there and you yeah. have to be like a, a legit like vendor to get in. <laughs> so the legit vendor, they, obviously we had the company, but we didn't have a website. So, you know, in the line we're like, let's just do the website. So as yeah. soon as we came into the lady, we're like, 
here's the website. Like very quick, like here, and then that's it. And yeah. she's like, okay, approved. Kind of like the the fake FBI or police, you know, uh, that you show. Like, yeah, I'm on the FBI, and then you show like, not really. Well, exactly like yeah, that. Yeah. And they let us in. And or roommate, he got fascinated by screen printing machines. Right? I, I think all of us, we got super excited by the idea of start screen printing t-shirts. To me, like that was a, a long time dream also. Because I, right. I personally thought the machines were cool. I don't think I've, I was ex as excited to make t-shirts because <laughs> yeah. it wasn't that excited to make stickers, right? Uh, we had all this image in our mind that it was going to be awesome and the business was going to grow quickly, but On its no, own. it is not like that. <laughs> and turns out like a few days later, a roommate comes back and he's like, guys, guess what I did? And we're like, what? He's like, I bought a screen printing machine. And we're like, yay. <laughs> so now we turn from a sticker company to a t-shirt uh, printing company. We're both <laughs> now at this point. Right. But yeah. guess what? When you don't put your focus right in one thing, it doesn't grow. So the sticker stopped growing, obviously. And now we were just doing t-shirts in a Florida garage at like 90 degrees with like 80% humidity with an oven also, because now we had to dry the shirt. So it was hell to say the least. And my brother had a full-time job. Uh, yeah. We were literally sprinting, like uh, screen printing shirts at 3 a.m. in the morning. And we're like, we hate this. We absolutely hate this. Yeah. And that was a lesson. I was like, dude, if you don't like the process, don't either delegate it or don't, or do, don't it. do it, right? <laughs> we didn't have the cash flow because we didn't know how to sell. So we didn't have the cash flow to delegate those activities to hire someone to come into the super steamy hot garage <laughs> and, and do the shirts, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so we were like, you know what? I think we got to move on. Yeah. And I, I was the first one to break the news to a roommate, which at the time it did cost their relationship, honestly, right? It, it was yeah. tough, but... Mm. I, I was about to graduate college at that point and I, we were actually starting what it was biz bros at the moment. And we, I was like, Hey, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, I want to focus on these things. Once this starts picking up, I can come back and help you help you out. Right. And that was pretty much the, the end of that relationship. Honestly, like we lived together for wow. over a year and he gave me the, the, the ice treatment. Like we would literally be at the kitchen table, yeah. everybody eating. And he would say hi to everybody that was at the house and he would skip me every single time. And it was painful. Right. Um, I, I feel like we made up already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, fast we, forward a few years and it, they reconnected yeah. and we, we talked it out and it's good to go. It, but it, it's, it's, lesson, it's all good. Right? It's all good. Right. But yeah. it, it was tough at that moment. So that was like, the very early beginnings. And then we started diving into like the digital world. That's when we entered the, the digital world. And honestly, our thought was how do we make money quick, right? Like probably 99% of people that go into the internet yeah. for business. And we came up, I, I'm pretty sure I looked it up, how to make money quick on YouTube. <laughs> and a Ty Lopez ad came on and was like, this is me in my garage with my Lambo. And I was like, I want a Lambo in my garage instead of a screen printing machine, right? Like, how cool would that be? <laughs> and I mean, it turns out we saw, it wasn't one hour ad. It was a webinar, obviously. I didn't know it at the moment. Yeah. And I watched the whole thing. And I turned to my brother and I was like, dude, we need to buy this. Like he is selling social media marketing uh, agencies 
as a new next hottest opportunity in the world. Yeah, and he convinced me to spend a thousand bucks I didn't yep. have in a credit card, right, to to start the journey. And that's how we started our first ever social media marketing agency. You could say <laughs> that was my my first wow. high ticket sale. I sold my brother on buying the course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, we started consuming the content, but immediately after like, we're like, hey, we need to produce so we can get back the money that we invested in here. So we went out and started selling social media marketing something something <laughs> services uh to restaurants right and uh we will go out and we'll take these awesome pictures and then yeah. we'll like put them on a cadence for them to publish and well uh, well they were not that awesome they were taken with their phones yeah that's how um, we started and then we were like we need a camera <laughs> to seem more legit so we bought a camera and then the next question was how do we use a camera right yeah. so it, it's great it's like uh, a series of progressions. Like we were meeting challenges along the way and we're like, okay, let's figure it out. How do we do this? Yeah. And, uh, you know, that quickly evolved into video production because then we had the cameras. So then we started to shoot video. Fonzi here became a really talented editor. But at the same time, uh, after a while, he's like, man, I cannot do this anymore. Like I need somebody else here with me. Like, oh, I'm so yeah. over this. Fun, fun fact. So people kind of like understand what type of people uh, we are. We, we're very different, actually. Um, he's very... Can you, can you tell? You're, you're the funny one. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. Wow. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> My brother's uh, feelings got hurt right there. But like, yeah, you know, I feel like we bonded like over like the call and over I'm our sorry. show. I'm sorry, bro. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like, my bad. My bad. It's it's okay. bad. My, my brother here, he is the, the operations guy, right? He's the mastermind behind pretty much all the systems that we have in our business. <laughs> and he is amazing at, at managing all these processes. Good and Thank I you. am the explorer. And I'm like, oh, let me learn this thing right here. And then I'm like, I go there and yeah. I have a lot of fun and I start loving the process until I hate it. Right. And yep. that's exactly what happened with video, with video work. I'm like, I started learning video editing on my own. I was like, wow, this is so cool. The, 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 the art of creating my own content, <laughs> my videos, right? And I even remember one night I was sitting in my computer and I had my girlfriend at the moment come and she's like, hey, like, are you done working? And I'm like, you know what? I think I found what I can do for the rest of my mm -hmm. life. Fast forward a few months later and I'm like, I don't want to edit a single video ever again. So like, yeah. that's pretty much how I work. I like get super passionate about learning something. I'm like, I really want to figure this out. And then when I'm learning, I'm like, okay, what is the next thing? You know, like I want to learn something yep. else. I, and I do believe um, it's an advantage in a sense, but then I'm super grateful for my brother here because <laughs> I'm like, okay, take it over here. And he's like, okay, let's see how we can systemize and, and, and put this in an operational way. Yeah. And that, and that's how we kind of started to do it too. Like with, with everything that we did there and we, we identify very quickly that to scale it to the point that we wanted to, we had to like bring in people in house and, and do all this stuff because of the time requirement that editing video requires. Right. So we decided that that might not be the way that we wanted to do at the same time. We're trying to figure out how do we actually publish? How do we stay consistent? We're looking at people that multiply their content like crazy. They have, you know, $30,000 teams behind them. Like every, like that's what they pay every month for their content. Right. And we're like, how can right. we replicate that? And, and at the beginning, a lot of content creators try to be that. Right. And then what happens is like, we don't have the capacity, right. We don't have the resources and then we don't do it. Right. And, and then that's it. Kaput. Uh, we completely kill like our content, our message, everything. So we're trying to figure this out as we were selling different services. Like we built funnels for brick and mortars, right? Like we did campaigns, we did contests with like, we did all this stuff that allowed us to elevate our skills as marketers. Right. So, so that was one thing we deeply appreciate, but when it was time to scale, we're like, we had to like look in the mirror and be like, okay, what is the one thing 
right? That, that we need to do for a client so we can be the best yep. that we can for it, us. It was so bad. We were doing so many things that we had a client come and she was like, guys, yeah, was I love you, but I feel like I'm your guinea pig. And we're like, whoa. Because inside we were like, you actually are. <laughs> we're you so are. sorry. Yeah, exactly. But like literally every single thing that we would learn and we wanted to implement, we're like, we would come to her and we're like, hey, like, what if we tried this new thing? <laughs> and, and she was awesome. And she let us and we had really, yeah. really good results with her. But at the same time, it wasn't, we, we weren't a real business. At that moment, we were just right. freelancers because we were offering many things and we were just charging for our time. We didn't, we weren't actually solving one problem with one solution and it wasn't scalable. Yeah. So, you know, that, that together with a few other situations, uh, it made us realize, Hey, we really need to focus here. Like we're getting results. Like we're enjoying this. And at the time, you know, with the lesson of the, the shirts, right. It's like, what do, what's the process that we really enjoy? And, you know, we discovered that content was one of them. And then we literally set out to create a system that allowed us personally to multiply your message first publish consistently that was the mm -hmm. first one so you know we uh, we created for ourselves a challenge called the 45 live so we went live for 45 days or at least we tried so i'm gonna throw the ball to your court larry and i'm gonna ask you how many days do you think we lasted in the first 45 live <laughs> I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you 17. 17. Oh, that, that was actually really good. Yeah. Yeah. Have you heard any yeah. other episodes? Um, no. <laughs> Did I nail it for real? <laughs> Almost. First time, you, first time was 15 days. Right. And uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, you, but you yeah. have been the closest one. Yeah. So. Everybody's like two days. So, but, but what happened is like through that 45 live, we were able to start, you know, putting our thoughts into words and we were chatting about this, uh, you know, the last hour and, and just getting mm -hmm. our message out and, and creating these relationships over Facebook live. Right. And then in day 15, we stopped because a big client came in like through that content and we established a conversation, we established a relationship, their clients to this day, like a year later, right? Amazing people. And that kickstarted everything, right? So a few months later, we do another 45 live. I'm going to throw the, back, the ball back at you. How many days do you think we lasted on the second season of 45 Live? <laughs> 11. Almost, almost, close. also closer. 17 yeah. days Fonzie. Like I was able to finish. I'm like, I'm committed to the 45 days. But my videos were like uh, at 11.30 at night, right? Because we were executing and creating mm. the system, right? But what, what, what was proven there was like consistency works, right? We were like, hey, the only metric that we're going to measure is consistency. Can we execute every single day? We don't care how many people see this. We don't care how many people like it. We don't care how many people comment. Doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is can we execute consistently, right? And we proved both right. times that it worked. And then when COVID happened, right, like in March uh, this year, uh, a lot of our clients were brick and mortars and they had to close. Like there was no option. So we got within a week, 80% of our business out the window, right? And we're like, man, I I went into major freakout mode, right? Like I'm the operational guys. I'm the one yeah. that sees the numbers every day. I'm like, oh, next month, nothing's coming in. Like I'm fancy. It's like, oh, okay, let's just explore the, the possibility to uh, change perspective. Uh, he didn't say it like that. He just yeah, let me. He, he's like, me why do you put the, the, the voice out? That's not how I said no, it. No, no. He was like, no, no, that, that's sorry. That's sorry. Yeah, what's what, 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 what really happened? Your what, brother, what truly really? happened is like Fancy went and boom, 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 like muscled up, grabbed me, like slapped me in the face twice, like change perspective. <laughs> no, but it was kind of like that. But anyway, so we changed perspective and we're like, hey, you know, for the next two, two months, we have some wiggle room, right? We have some time. You know, we've talked about publishing the podcast, we've talked about publishing long form content. We do it for our clients as far as like the multi, the second part of that. 
uh, let's just do it, right? Mm-hmm. And we dove in and we started with the show Contents Profit three times a week. And what that allows us to do is, you know, what we chatted with you uh, is uh, develop relationships. The first 20 episodes, it was just us to get comfortable, get it out there. Minimum viable podcast, right? It's just like the reason we do it live to this day, 100 episodes, you know, now I think you were like 111. Congrats. Yay. Um, <laughs> nice. Nice. The reason we do it live is so we actually do it because we, we know ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, just relationships started happening within like two weeks. We recovered the business that we lost within the, a month. We tripled the sales uh, on the back end because we were like super focused on one, the message, second, the intentions, right? The relationships. Can we add value to that relationship, right? And if we can, that is our business. Um, so it, it, we started finding the, the frictionless sell really like for our business and everything since has been incredible. We're about to get our 10th team member. Uh, we have a system, a very strong system wow. in the back end business better than ever, <laughs> uh, relationship better than ever, uh, relationships with you like better than ever. So it's like, that's kind of like our, our journey. Very fast, like wow. very fast, like as in 30 minutes later. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's- I love it. I love podcasts where I don't even have to ask a question. It's just, <laughs> just content from start to finish. And I'm just like, hey, everybody, how y'all doing? This is great. I love it. No, it's 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 awesome when somebody knows their message as well as you two do and are used to sharing it because it's a very shareable story. It's a very inspirational story. And, you know, not many people take the paths that you two took to get you where you're at today. And I love the fact, and, and, and I'm, I'm kind of wondering if it's a, uh, I, I don't know if you've heard the term immigrant mentality, which it's just grit, it's determination, it's persistence, it is a commitment to success. Do you feel that played a significant role in getting you where you're at today? Hmm. Interesting. Uh, if I'm being honest, I know the term. I have never seen it like that in, in us uh, you know, like what one of our big motivators is or family that's still back home right? or, or mom and dad, they're still in Venezuela and Venezuela is not in the, the best situation. Right. So we want to provide for them because they pretty much allowed us to do whatever we wanted. They allowed us to chase our dreams no matter what they were. Yeah. And we want to obviously give back to our parents. So that's a big motivation for us. And, and we want to, you know, be successful so then we can yeah. also help them out, give them the life that, that they want. And they don't have to, you know, just have a hard time in, in, in Venezuela at this moment. Yeah. You, you label the immigrant mentality, right? And, and I would like to say like everybody should have that mentality and not just immigrants. Right. I, I feel like people coming to, to United States, like the country of opportunities, right? Like, uh, and, and we as outsiders, we see this country and we're having a conversation with people in Europe and with people all over the place. They see United States as the place to go. Right. Especially like after like this whole political situation is happening, like a lot of that conversation is happening, but it's like the place to go. Uh, and that's why when we, they get here, they work their asses off to, you know, uh, do the best they can to stay here, to be able to have opportunities because overseas in other countries, third world countries like Venezuela, for example, is really challenging. You know, that's why we decided to come here. We're like, we don't see a future, right? The future that we want, we don't see it here, or at least it's going to be really, really challenging. How can we utilize the skill that we have, which at the time was soccer, to come and, and create an opportunity for ourselves? And this, that's the beautiful thing. Like we live in a country where we can create the thing that we want, whatever, like call it show, call it life, call it whatever. Right. So I think that is a mentality that everybody needs to have. Right. 
Uh, and I feel like my wife is Canadian, right? Like she grew up in a, in a farming uh, community, in a farm. So they know the value of really hard work. She is a really hard worker, but there's things that, that we take for granted, like security, for example. Like we live in a, in a very, you know, in a city that I would consider safe. Uh, but it's actually funny. It's like not funny, but the, the fact is a little funny. That is one of the most dangerous cities in the U.S., Jacksonville, Florida. And it is funny because we come from one of the, most dangerous cities in the world. Second, second or first. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. when we came here and people say, Oh, this is one of the most dangerous cities in, in the U S and you know, I actually came in 2010 to visit my brother and I literally took a bus from Miami to Jacksonville, started walking downtown. It's like, he called me, he's like, do you want me to pick you up? I'm like, nah, dude, this city looks awesome. I'm just <laughs> going to walk around and figure out how to get to where you are. And supposedly downtown is a, it's a big no to be walking around and I'm just walking there like, wow, this is so cute, but there's nobody here. I wonder why. <laughs> and so, but obviously you come with that mentality of like, okay, let me look over my shoulder every single time. Right. You, you're a little bit more aware of those things. And, and nothing is a sure thing. Like the only sure thing is the effort that we can put into this opportunity that we have to make it happen. And I think that's why people coming from overseas might seem like, more like hard workers or harder workers than, than anybody else. Uh, but yeah. I do think, I do think that everybody should have that mentality, yeah. not just immigrants. I, right. I want to add a little story to that story, which is, you know, or that always used to be like, Hey, if you want something, you have, you have to go get it. Right. Like you cannot just wait for it. It's not going to come to your lap. So when we wanted to play soccer here in the States, what was a way for us to be seen by coaches? Well, we recorded a video of us playing soccer and it's not going to land automatically on the coach's email. So we literally went to the NCAA page, every single school that had a soccer team, we went to their page, we copy and pasted the email of the coach and we had like over 200 schools, right? D1, Amazing. D2, D3. We did, we did yeah. not know what that meant at the time. We, we were like, we just need soccer. an opportunity and yeah. we send an individual email to every single coach with or you know with their name personalized at that i mean now looking back at it it's like wow we were literally like cold calling cold selling these coaches but right, for right. us at that moment it's like i need an opportunity i need to get in front of their eyes how do i do it email mm -hmm. so we email every single one sending them the video and guess what out of like over 200 for me i only got two answers right mm -hmm. one of them they were offered a scholarship that we couldn't afford the rest. So I was like, ah, it's a no. The other one, it was a scholarship that worked perfectly. And I was like, you know what? I'm gone to Wichita Falls, Texas. Let's go, right? <laughs> and that was the first opportunity. That was the opportunity for me to come here to the States. And yeah. even though I didn't play at all in that team, I was a, a, a red shirt my, my first year. And, they, you know, they, it was a great experience, but I'm extremely grateful because they gave me the opportunity to come here to the States. After that, the coach was like, Hey, look, one year here. I'm sorry. I don't see you in the team. You have to go in my mind. I was, I'm not going back to Venezuela. I'm going to look for another opportunity. I went to a junior college in, in Dallas, Texas. And I'm like, Hey, I'm here to try out. I did the tryouts. I made the team. And then the rest is history. Right. But is that being proactive on where is the opportunity? And I'm going to go get it. Right. I'm going to try yes. so many times that, some opportunity, I'm, I'm going to grab it and I'm going to take it. So, so where did you go to uh, junior college? And I'm in Dallas, so that, that's oh. where I'm from. Hey, we got another friend in Dallas. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, so yeah. cool. So I, I went to Richland. 
Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's, uh, that is too cool. That's hilarious. Yeah. So, but you know, in talking about all of this, it's in direct contrast to what we were talking about when I was on your show earlier. And, and that is that, that mentality that so many people have today of instant gratification. Your story shows there's no such thing as instant gratification. There's no such thing as waking up and being a YouTube star overnight. Mm-hmm. Yes, there is such a thing, but it's extremely rare, <laughs> and the odds of you doing that are infinitely infinitesimal. I don't even know if that's a word, but it's not going to happen. So the the point is, is that you guys, you you grind, you work, you reached out, you found who you needed to talk to in those 200-plus coaches. You sent emails, you reached out, you contacted, you made personal contact with each and every person on that list. <laughs> And it's that level of dedication, that level of drive, and that level of inspiration that we all need to learn from. And I commend you on everything that you're doing right now because you aren't just the story, but you're the story in motion. Thank you. you. And that's tremendous. It's tremendous. Thank you, man. Yeah, it's been, you know, it wasn't always fun. (laughs) Sure. Uh, it, it can be scary, right? Like, especially when you're leaving your own country, your own home, right? Like your family, like it can be scary. But at the same time, like people ask us like, well, you know, why do you guys do it? Like, obviously the opportunity there, but are we willing to, you know, go through these situations? Like the t-shirt story, like that was so painful in so many levels, right? Because we thought we were actually doing something that, and I, and I mentioned like that to me was a passion. Like I, I before coming to the States, I had a, I had a very bad injury, which denied my first scholarship, right? I got a scholarship in Texas to West Texas and uh, my foot broke and, uh, you know, got infected and then I had to go to surgery and the university found out they withdrew the scholarship. So I had to stay one more year in Venezuela thinking I wasn't coming here. And uh, while I was in recovery, I was actually sitting down for almost four months. I couldn't walk like my, because of, of the type of surgery that was done. And uh, he, he looked like a tennis player, but in his legs, you know how tennis players have like one arm way bigger than the other one. That, yeah. From always swinging in one racket, his legs were the same. Like one was like, you know, soccer like a rib, like soccer player leg, and the other one was like all skinny. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, but through, through those like months, I remember like going online and be like, how do I build like a brand? Like to me, my mentality is helping me through this. Like I want to stay positive. I want to like completely like, reinforce, like do affirmations, like all these things. So I want to bring that message message into, into something, right. Into, into a crowd, into, into con- like somehow, right. I never thought about like content at that point, but I was thinking like, how can we create like these t-shirts that are motivational and blah, blah, blah. So obviously when we start this business with the t-shirts, I'm like, yes, dude, finally my opportunity to do this. Right. But the, the process was so painful of like coming to like from work at 9 PM at night, grabbing the screens, you know, uh, that Fonzie and, and Steve were like working on and then sque- do the squeegee thing for like 300 times, right? Because there were 300 t-shirts and going to bed at 3 a.m. to then get up at 8 and 9 to go to work, yeah. right? So, it was more than 300 times because we, we would mess up a lot. Yeah, exactly. Like, it, they were, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it was it was very painful. So, you know, and at the time it was like, enjoy. Okay, if we don't, gonna, we're not going to do this if we don't enjoy the process, but we have to go through we had to go through that pain to be able to identify this. So, you know, just like you with your show, right? Like that, that first episode was probably very painful to produce. Like it took probably a while, right? Like you don't want to, you don't want it out there in the world for a reason, right? Like for, so those are the situations that kind of market, but we are able to identify them really quickly. 
and be like, okay, you know, it's fine. I don't enjoy this. How can I, what's the next step? Like, this is a problem right now. Um, we call it samples, right? It's not failures. It's, it's just a sample. What the dire- What's the mm-hmm. direction we want to take, right? And then you choose another direction and then you're going to encounter another sample. And then it's like, what is the direction I want to take? And then if you make enough decisions, eventually, you know, you're going to end up with something that you really enjoy doing. And when that happens, it's it's a very fortunate place to be in. And, and when you've worked as hard as you've worked and, you know, I'm toot my own horn a little bit. I've worked a little hard myself. And you get to that point where you can focus directly on your goal. And, you know, being self-employed or being entrepreneurs, that's kind of a goal. But that goal doesn't really get you anywhere. It gets you the title. You know, OK, now I'm on my own. Now I'm an entrepreneur. Yay. <laughs> Now I have to freaking work. I have to work for real. And my wife just asked me this question the other day. She goes, what is it about this right here, being on your own, not having a a guaranteed check every two weeks? What about this looks so much better than this? Mm. You know, this is a a job. You've been there 21 years. You've got a career. You know you're getting paid. You know you're going to go on Mondays and Especially now during COVID, we only work a couple of times a week. It's freaking great. You know, why would you walk away from that? Yeah. It Because it's not what I want to do. It's yeah. not what I've wanted to do for years and years and years. It's I've always had some kind of side hustle. I've always <laughs> been hustling in some way, whether it's selling on eBay or selling out of the back of my trunk of my car. It doesn't matter. You know, I was always selling something and it worked out really, really well for a while. You know, eBay kind of, it's not quite as good as it once was, you know, the competition is a lot higher and it's just not as, it's not a great platform anymore in my personal opinion, but it's, it's one of those situations where you have to change and you have to evolve. And once you, you, you go through those struggles, that's what gives you that drive to go and continue on forward by cold calling, by selling, by creating relationships and building opportunities to make a sale, building opportunities to be maybe even referred to a client, building opportunities yeah. to write a course or write a book or anything that you do. All of those opportunities come from one thing, and that is a commitment to constantly drive forward and be a success. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, love, I mean, we, we actually tried the eBay thing at some point. <laughs> Yeah, we, we try to sell in a lot of places, you know, and I, I relay that to those little bits of stories that I told you in our past that we didn't know it was actually entrepreneurship and it was, right? We would go to this market where they sold counterfeit t-shirts or soccer jerseys, right? And it was super normal. I gotta, I gotta say this. It, it yeah. is super normal back home to see the, <laughs> like the cops go and buy stuff in there too. And, or that would take us. And they had all this section with like amazing soccer jerseys that literally you would buy for like $5 and it was an exact replica of the original. And then we would buy wow. them. We would go to, to our school and it's like, Hey, do you want to buy for 30 bucks? And we will sell them there. And we're like, we just need money because we wanted like, hey, mom, dad, we want to buy something. And they're like, okay, figure it out. We're not going to give you any money, right? Work for it. It's like, yep. okay, what, what do I do, right? Yeah. And those, those were some of the things that we did, but we never saw it as entrepreneurship, right? And I, and I think that's something that is coming now nowadays, which is, I've heard someone say that it's kind of like the new, like, entrepreneurship is like the new rappers, right? Like everybody wants to be an entrepreneur and have their own business. (laughs) And like a few years ago, everybody wanted to be a rapper. So you start seeing it everywhere. Like everybody on Instagram is like 
I'm an entrepreneur. I'm an entrepreneur. I was like, okay, well, yep. awesome. I thought I was an entrepreneur. And honestly, I was just a freelancer mm -hmm. at first for like four or five years, right? Yeah. While we figure everything out. It's very different to be a, a freelancer than than an actual business owner. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and Larry, you you mentioned it, right? You have that internal drive mm -hmm. that allows you to do these things, right? And and pursue that dream. Some people don't, right? Like uh, my wife, she's like, "No, oh, man, I'm comfortable where I'm at. Like that's it. Like, mm -hmm. I, and that's okay, right? Like, I, we yeah. don't need to convince anybody. But for us, same thing. Like, I was, I had a job, like the job that I had that I quit to do this full time, uh, more than a year now which is crazy. Um, I loved because I was interacting with people. So I identified that that's one of my traits. I love interacting with people. I love having these conversations because we were in a fitness studio that I managed that I had more than a thousand members. So I will have hundreds and hundreds of members walking in and having these amazing conversations and, you know, running this. So I was kind of like a mini entrepreneur within my own gym because we were dealing with all this stuff. So like I found sure. a job that fit, fit my trait. Right. But then I'm like, I want to build something bigger. I want to make an impact a little bit bigger. We, we want to help more people with a different, you know, providing solutions to a different problem that we know how to solve. Right. And that's why for us, and it also allows is the opportunity to provide for the family at the end, like full circle, right? It's like, it allows me to grow, right? If I grow personally, my business is also going to grow. When my business grow, I'm also going to grow personally. And hopefully the money comes with it. Right. Like, so, you know, at first the money was like, Oh, we need to chase this thing. Right. And, and that act of chasing, it got us moving. I think it was, uh, they talk about this in Atlas Shrug and, and I heard Russell Branson and Josh Forty uh, talking the about greed. this. The greed, right? Like a lot of people start with the greed as in, hey, I need money, right? And that's kind of like the right. seed, but then it doesn't stay there. You have to, then it becomes about the mission, it becomes about the mess, about the problems that we're solving for other people, but that greed gets us moving, right? But if we stay in that state, it's going to be really challenging, uh, so we understood that. And, and right now, you know, we, we understood that pretty late, pretty late. Right. Exactly. We were operating from a place of need for a long time. And, you know, we were very, sure. fortunate, you know, knock on wood, we're up operating from a place of abundance. And we, we chatted with, with you about this, right? It's like, now we get to provide as much value as possible. And then man, like if, if we are here able to help solving your problem, sweet. Let's make a transaction, right? And, and it happens, right? And if you know it, that's fine. We can still have a great relationship, right? So yeah. that's the, right. Like the help and the willing, yeah, the willingness to give is not dependable of the transaction now. Before it was, I was like, either you pay me or you get nothing, <laughs> right? And guess what? Like you're not going to build any quality relationships that way. See, and I'm just the opposite. I give too much away for free. You know, it's like, well, you know, you know this guy and that guy knows that guy and I'm good friends with that guy, so <laughs> I'll do it for free. It's just, I always find a reason to do it for free and it makes my wife so mad. <laughs> she says, stop working for free. Either they pay you or you don't do it. And that's such a hard transition for me that I've even had coaches when I was chasing my voice acting career. Uh, I had a voiceover coach. I mentioned in our last episode yeah. that I love coaches and I'm going to hire a coach to take me the direction I need to go. And she made me take my wallpaper on all my computers and, and plaster hundred dollar bill wallpaper on, on there. And it was just to remind me to ask to get paid, yeah. ask for the sale, yeah. ask for the money. Don't be afraid to get turned down. Yeah. If yep. you get turned down. Okay. So what? Now you don't have to do the work for well, free. Just ask him why, and they're going to tell you why, and then you can provide yeah. the solution later, right? Like, yeah, that, that that's a very 
that's an important point, you know, yeah. Larry, because I was afraid of that for the longest time. I was every time the money conversation comes, I was like, oh man, like now I have to tell you how much you got to pay <laughs> or something. Yeah. And now a lot of times I'll be like, oh yeah, I can do it for free for, for you. Right. And even though at first it is a great tool to get your foot in the door and get to know a lot of people, eventually your, your time is the most valuable resource that you have. Right. And by doing work for free, yes, you're giving your time to that person, which is extremely valuable. But at the same time, the more you grow, the, the more, you know, your time becomes super limited for you, sure. for yourself and then for the other people that you're providing. Yeah. And it actually took a very shift in mindset to understand the value of actually selling. Right. Cause I thought we both thought, actually, I think, yeah. I think I, I had this belief a little bit more instilled in me because you work on sales and the fitness industry, but I saw sales as, you know, the, the, the car dealership salesman that you go in there and they jump on you and they attack you with bats and kicking you like, oh, buy this stuff. And I was like, no. So that's what I thought people felt like when I was talking <laughs> to them about selling something. Yeah. And we actually had a coach said to us, no, you know, like you're doing them a favor. Like they need your solution so bad that like, you, you need to, like, you're the one helping them, right? They, you need to sell your thing. If you don't sell your thing, you're doing a disservice to that person. And for us, I was like, wow. Okay. I'm, I'm, I need to operate from a place of service, right? And it's totally okay to tell them, Hey, I can totally solve your problem. But you want, like, you know what? Like it's going to cost you this much because as well, my time is extremely valuable as well. And it, like my brother said, if they say no, it's totally okay. Your relationship with that person is not dependable on the, on the transaction. And that's the important thing to recognize. And I mean, you are a pro a relationship, man. You like your relationships are <laughs> like amazing. Right. So, and, and a lot of people have those relationships, but then when they see that trans the transaction is that immediate fear of, am I going to, personally, I thought it was, am I going to lose this relationship if I charge yep. them? Yep. 100% man and 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 you're not just the, the, to the same point that you just made that's not going to happen and if it was guess what you didn't have a relationship to start with mm -hmm. you you know each other you have maybe an association because you do some of the same things and go to the same events or whatever it may be yeah. but there's no relationship there if it's based on that transaction yeah. cuz even if you told me no still going to be your homie. You know, I'm still going to be friends with you. We're still going to hang yep. out. We're still going to go ahead and, and even co-create if the, if the opportunity arises, yeah. there's no hard feelings. Absolutely. And, and it, it's hard for a lot of people to swallow that, I, but I think there's opportunities. It's a, it's a very that, valuable lesson. I, I think there's opportunities everywhere, right? Like, uh, you know, we were able to connect with, uh, his name is Henry Kaminsky and he's a designer, like amazing business, amazing show too. Uh, which by the way, you guys should connect. Uh, we'll connect we'll, you we'll guys. We'll connect you guys. Uh, <laughs> okay, that'd be great. And, uh, you know, we jump on a show with, with Henry. We developed this amazing relationship. We, we, we really sync. And he's like, guys, what do you guys use as equipment? Like, that sounds awesome. Like, all the sounds and blah, 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 right? And, and we're like, hey, well, you use the Rodecaster. Like, that's the thing that we use. And, and then if we jumped on a Skype, you know, private. And we're like, and he's like, can you guys help me set up? So that is not my business. 
But I'm like, absolutely, let's jump on. Like, I really enjoy this. This is how we run it, frictionless. Like, this is what it allows us to do. We don't have to do any posts. So he's like, sweet. And then we send him a list of stuff that he needed to get. He got it. And then we jumped on the call. He set it up. We tested it out. And we're like, sweet. And so he's like, sweet. I absolutely love it. And then he creates a type of content that we work with, right? So I'm like, hey, Henry, will you be interested in, in like jumping on a call? I can show you what we do. And uh, and let's see what, you know, what, what, you know, what happens. Like, I really want to, I want you to, become my client. I want to serve you. Right. And he's like, sweet, let's do it. Right. So he jumped on the call. We showed him his, his mind blown. He's like, Oh, I didn't know how I didn't see this. Right. He has a team. Right. But he's like, he told me on that call, he's like, uh, it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when. Right. And then we're like, perfect. Mm -hmm. Go, go, go check it out. Right. So two weeks go by. Uh, then I'm like, Hey Henry, what's up, man? Like you told me when, like when, so when I was starting. <laughs> uh, so we jumped back on another call and he's like, man, like whatever you guys gave me, like on that call, like I took it and I gave it to my team and they're like blowing it up. And I'm like, dude, that's so cool. Like, first mm -hmm. off, amazing because it, uh, you already have the solution that many other people don't, right? A team, right? So we provide that. Right. People. And then he's like, sweet. So that works. And then he's, we, he started asking other questions. I'm like, I'm showing him, right? I'm like, dude, like if you have a team, here's the whole thing. Like you guys go execute. Right. And then, uh, I'm there and it's like, Hey, you know, just, just to make sure we're clear here. Like, are we going to be working together? And he's like, man, honestly, I don't think I need you right now. Right. Because I have my team executing and I'm happy. I'm very happy with the results. And I'm like, dude, absolutely. That's great. Like, but he's like, here's the thing. Opportunities come in every shape or form. And he's like, will you guys be down to act as my consultants on this thing, right? Another opportunity. So first off, yep. like I didn't never was presented with the opportunity yep. of consult on that, on that matter. So like I started asking questions, I'm like, what do you need consulting with? Like, why do you need the help? I, let me see if I can actually help you. Right. Um, so we came to the conclusion, a conclusion because I wasn't really comfortable talking about some other stuff because we create content in a very specific way. So I can consult all day long in a, in that very specific. He wanted information in some other stuff that I didn't feel comfortable with. So I'm like, dude, Henry, right. I appreciate your opportunity. Like I appreciate this conversation. Just know that you have two brothers here in Jacksonville now. Like mm -hmm. we're family, yeah. we're good, but I'm going to have to say no. Right. Because of this, this, and this, right? And he's like, dude, I totally respect that. So now we're like buddies, right? So like, it, it's incredible now that relationship that we have, we provide a solution. I'm sure the second he has a conversation with somebody that needs the solution that we provide, he's going to recommend us because like he had a great experience, right? Uh, but at the end of the day, like one no can be another opportunity, right? It can be presented right away. exactly, And, and it's incredible if you act from that place of giving value, mm -hmm. right? And at the same time, we were selling, right? Like it's not that we're like, we were like in selling mode with, with this guy, but you know, at the end of the day, opportunities happen and, and it's a great relationship that we have now. Right on, man. That's great. Well guys, let's start wrapping this thing up. If you were to give one piece of advice to a budding entrepreneur, what would that be? Hmm, interesting. I think, I think my brother wants to go first. <laughs> He just threw me the bus completely. Um, That's what I figured. Yeah. That's what I kind of saw that. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, I would say start publishing. No, like find your minimum viable content. Like, like for us, it was the, the Facebook lives. We we're like, what is the reason I don't publish today? And it was, there was a ton of stuff. It was, we call it friction, right? It was editing. It was like the, you know, whatever, not the quality, I, stories that we put in our heads. So we grab all that friction and we threw it out of the window. It's like, how can I execute without friction? Well, I don't want to edit. I don't want to do X, Y, Z, right? Well, for us, the solution was to record a Facebook live because we felt somewhat comfortable 
doing a video. For other people, it can be writing a blog a day, right? Once you find your minimal viable content, how can you execute consistently? Then do it for three months, right? Do do the challenge that we did. Like we don't sell this challenge. This is something internal for us. Do 45 days of it, right? Yeah. And if those 45 days is every, like twice a week, great. If you want to shorten your learning curve, do it every day, right? But find your minimal viable content, start publishing consistently. Yeah. Um, I, w- I probably would go along those lines. You know, I'm going to soup that one this way. <laughs> but I think mine would be, you know, I was personally very afraid of getting in front of the camera because I was being afraid of being judged my, by my friends, right? And guess what? For me personally, I had to do some internal work mm-hmm. and I'm still doing it to this day, which is you got to detach from what other people think. It do, like by doing that, if, if you care what other people think about you, you're literally handing them your power to them. And depending on how they see you, they're you, you literally that's going to control your mood and you cannot do that. Right. You are in control of yourself. So it goes along with what my brother said, but try to detach yourself from other people's expectations and what they think about you. Because that way you are going to set yourself up for, for, for success because now you're going to be taking action. And guess what? The cool thing is it is going to tell, if you start publishing, publishing, you're going to see who's actually your friend and who's not and who's your, your gang, your <laughs> tribe, your community, who supports you yeah. and who doesn't support you. It's actually a great yep. life filter. Publishing and, and, and putting your thoughts into words, it's a life filter and it's going to show you who is actually on your side. So don't overthink it and don't give your power to anybody else. There you go, man. Those both are strong responses. And I tell you what, we're real friends and I do support everything that you're doing. I would love to emulate exactly what you're doing. I love both of you guys and your approach and your energy. And I just can't thank you enough for joining me today on this episode. Thank you, Larry. It was absolutely amazing. We had a blast. Yeah. Thanks for having us. That's great. I, I need to, we, we need to up our toy game here. Yeah. yeah you got, you, you. <laughs> we have like two. <laughs> we have two. Like, yeah. And Larry has like 300. Yeah. I don't, I can't podcast for anything, but I got toys. So I mean, that's what I make up for it. Yeah, Larry, so. just gonna throw this out there. I know I, I, I said it in, in our episode that we needed a round two on, on, on our side, but we need to do a live yeah. one, man. Especially now that I know you're in Dallas. I, yeah. I, I want to go back, visit some friends. We have some new incredible friends in Dallas too, that we actually have to connect you with. So we need to do a live one. That'd be awesome. I've, I've got access to a couple of studios in the Metroplex and we can go in there and just have a good old time. We'd have a blast. So, we'll bring a case I of would monsters. Love it. I would love it. <laughs> oh, yes. There we go. I love it. You're in. You're in like Flynn with a case of monsters. So, guys, thank you once again. It has been a pleasure. And I'll see you soon. Thank you.